color at the speed of light Freedom Shaking of the atmosphere As the shadows fade into nothing as the day appears Say beyond the skies Beyond the skies
for his victory over the cross and over death, and for his love that never fails us. Come on, let's sing this song. Here I stand. Here I stand.
Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's good to see you today. Everybody excited about Easter? Yeah, it's a good day. See, a lot of people are dressed up. So today I get to, what I love, I get to wear my white bucks from now. Don't hate me because you ain't me. No socks, seersucker. Woo, girl, got it going on. I'm not wearing a tie, though, because I kind of have a fat neck, and it kind of restricts my airways a little bit. Got to loosen up, get ready for the brunch. Anybody else? Come on, y'all know what that's all about, right? Yes. That's one thing I love about Wisconsin. Like, any holiday, like, there's going to, there's going to be a feast around it, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, that's right, man. It's not even about, really about quality sometimes. It's just quantity. Amen? That's how we kind of do that. Like, is it a good deal? Well, you get a lot of food. You're my kind of people. That's what I'm saying. Never trust skinny people, right? I'm just saying, don't trust them. Amen. Well, happy Easter. We're so delighted that you're here, that you're with us. Uh, there's a lot of great churches you could be at today, and the fact that you're with us, we're honored and delighted that you are here. And um, I want to just, we're starting this brand new series called Confession. So if today resonates with you at all, you want to be back next week and the following weeks as we kind of walk and unpack some of this. But today I want to begin with a um, subject matter that uh, it's a question that we've all kind of asked from time to time. And it's, why God? God, where are you um, in, in this situation? God, why did this person have to die? God, why did bad things happen to good people? God, where are you in this terminal illness of this child that's fighting for their life? God, if you really love us, and if you're really a good God, then where are you in this crazy world in which we live in? These are all questions that from time to time we have, if we're really honest. Now, we don't like to unpack them, especially on Easter or Christmas, right? Because let's just be good and nice, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the grave, and he's victorious, and uh, amen, let's have a good day, let's go have brunch and be with family. But, but really, in order to get to life, you had to get to death. That, that's, that's a message of the cross. That's a message of Easter. That in order for there to be life, for God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but would have life. But in order for you and I to have life, somebody had to die. And that person is Jesus. And even when that happens, sometimes we think, well, man, maybe if I get my life right with Christ and, you know, I kind of get close to God like Pastor Aaron, then maybe everything's going to work out great. And I can also rock me some of those white bucks and life will be good in the hood and it's all. But the reality is, is that if you've been serving God for very long, you find out that being a Christ follower isn't like a get out of jail free card when it comes to hardship or when it comes to tough questions or when it comes to these God, where are you moments? And when I read the story, when I read the historical accounts of Jesus' journey from being brought, brought before the, the religious leaders of the day, the Sanhedrin, and then being taken before Pilate, and then being beaten with 39 lashes minus one because of the cross, and then having to scorn the shame and the mockery to be jeered at by the same people that just days before were, were, were singing Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, as he rode into the city of Jerusalem, were the same people that jeered, crucify him, crucify him, and give us the murderer, rapist known as Barabbas. 
And then as history tells us, as he took the cross and he walked what we call the Via Della Rosa down those small streets there in Jerusalem onto the way to Golgotha to die a death that was the most inhumane, the most torturous, the most shameful way for any human in the first century to die on the cross. Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth. And the Bible records a conversation that he has with God in the middle of all of this. Now understand, Jesus knew that he came to die. Matter of fact, the Gospels record this phrase. I love these words. For this cause, the Son of Man was born to die. Jesus said of himself in Luke's Gospel, I came to seek and save that which is lost. But in the middle of all of this, in the middle of understanding, in the middle of knowing that he's 100% man and 100% God, that he could have called on a thousand angels and they could have rescued him in that moment, Matthew's gospel records this conversation that Jesus has in verse 45 of chapter 27. And from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land. And from the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama, Shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that moment that Jesus is dying for the sins of the world, he cries out to God, God, where are you? God, where are you? I get the deal. I'm your son. I don't, there's no upside on me dying on the cross for these people, but because we love them, because they're our creation, because you're a father that loves us. But right now in the middle of this, I don't get all that I'm having to go through. I don't know where you are right now. Those are powerful, powerful words. Those are words that you, if you're really honest, have asked God. Those are words in a moment of sheer desperation. You've cried out to God, God, this isn't fair. God, where are you? God, I don't understand what's happening. That's the conversation that Jesus, the Savior of the world, has with God the Father. And in moments like that, it's as you're experiencing that, and I'm experiencing that, it's easy to say, well, maybe this is just somebody's fault. Like, maybe it's my fault. Maybe the reason why these bad things are happening in my life is because of me. Maybe it's the devil's fault. Maybe, maybe it's just God's will. When people say that, I kind of go, really? Like, you really think that this loving, caring, heavenly father really wants that child to be in ICU? You really think that God wanted to take that child from that family? You really think that God doesn't want to bless that family with children? You really think that God wanted that person to die? You really think that it was God's intended desire that this is all kind of a crash and burn situation? No. Those are plastic, cheesy answers that Christians give when we don't know what else to say. It's tough. What do you do in moments like that? What happens? Oh, we get it cognitively, but, but let's just go beyond our brain for just a minute. Don't check your brain, but let's just go beyond it. Let's go a little deeper than that. Let's go to our emotions. Let's go to our heart. Let's go to really what's there. What's happening in Jesus in that moment? What happens in you in that moment? See, that's humanity that's crying out on the cross. No easy answers. But that's what Easter is about. Easter is a major complexity where... Death has to bring life. 
I just want you to marinate on that for a minute, and I want you to hear the story of a person who attends Life Church. He's been attending Life Church for a long, long time. And kind of their my God moment. Check this out. Jason was kind of like a kid at heart. He wasn't like too much of a like thought out date type of person. It was more like if we would just go for a walk. For some reason, every time we went for a walk, we got stuck in a storm <laughs> every single time. And um, rather than being somebody that like would try to like hide for cover, he would go find a puddle, you know? And so we were constantly just like soaked. So Jason and I had been married about five and a half years. I had just turned 26, Jason was 25. And we were still so young and kind of starting out. We had our two daughters. Um, Naya was two and a half, Nasha was 10 months, and life just seemed really perfect. He came home Wednesday night, um, we were eating supper, and um, he told me he didn't feel good. And I immediately was scared. I was scared. I started asking him if his arm hurt or his leg hurt. And, um, he said to me, he's like, no, it's, it's just kind of all over, you know, it's just body aches. I asked him to please stay home from work the following day, which that was that Thursday. And um, he said to me, no, I, I, I have to just make it till Friday. One of the projects that he was doing at work um, was supposed to be completed on Friday. And um, he said to me, if, if I can just make it till Friday, I'll have my life back. Jason was not the type of person that would typically go hang out with the guys or go to like extracurricular things. Um, but he had been given an offer to play basketball with some of the people at his work. And um, so he took it and um, I was just vacuuming my house. I had my praise music on, my kids were asleep. Um, and I was really just waiting for him to come home. Um, I remember when I got the phone call, it just seemed so like, it didn't make sense, you know? It, it didn't make sense why I was getting a phone call from the emergency contact. It didn't make sense why they said he was in an accident. It just was like, like it, it just it was like, it can't be happening, you know? I called him back and um, they proceeded to tell me that his, um, his manager, his boss, um, needed me to call him that he had you know, collapsed on the floor uh, playing basketball. He said to me, he's like, we're going to come pick you up. Um, and I'm like, well, where, where are you taking him? You know, I'll meet you there. And um, his manager's like, no, we're, we're going to come pick you up. We, we're going to bring you to him. I was pleading with God that, like, this please not be real, you know? I think in my heart, I knew what that meant. I knew what I was about to face. Um, but in some way, I was still hoping for a miracle. And it wasn't until I got down there and I saw, you know, he had already turned blue. It, it was final, you know. It, it was, he was really gone. His body was there, but he was gone. You know, he was my everything. It was like, he was my best friend. He's the one I wanted to build my life with. He was the one that encouraged me spiritually. 
It was like every part of my life was encompassed in this person. And now he was gone. And I just didn't want to go on. You know, like I just, I was like, if he's not here, I don't want to be here either. I went home a single mom, you know. I went home a widow. I went home knowing that he'd never walk through the door again, you know. Having grown up in the church, I, I had kind of had this idea that um, being angry with God was like sacrilegious, you know, or that it meant that you were a weak Christian or, or that you, maybe you didn't trust, you know, fully. It was those emotions that I felt like were going to make me weak, you know, like in order to be a strong Christian, I can't feel these things, you know. I was angry. I was angry. Um, I was angry at his work. I was angry at myself for not seeing it. Um, there were a lot of questions. I remember questioning God, like, why him, you know? Why such a good dad, you know? Why such a good father? Somebody who all they wanted to do was honor you, you know? All they wanted to do was honor with you, with their life, with the way that they lived their life. I remember writing in my journal so many times, like, of all the dads, you know, of all the deadbeat dads, of all the abusive husbands and fathers. Why the one who chose to honor you, you know, why would you take him? I remember writing in my journal, I need him more. I need him more than you. I asked why a lot, just an open-ended why, you know, why? So in moments like that, you've got one of two responses. You either walk away and reject it all, or you find yourself just trying to trust in God. I know that sounds oversimplified, but, but the Bible says that Jesus could have called on a thousand angels and they would have rescued him in that moment. And that moment, when he cries out to God hanging on the cross, he could have just said, I'm done with this. This is, I, I, I just, I don't want this. I'm not doing this. But instead, he, the Bible says he endured the pain of the cross for us. In Danielle's story, you, you see a real life, real world situation. I mean, I dedicated both of Jason and Danielle's girls. I, I was there. I mean, he attended the church and interacted and talked. And I, I was, I'll never forget the night that I got the phone call when this happened. And the funeral that was conducted, and I was a part of that. What do you say in those moments? What do you do in those moments? And, and Danielle's being real. In those moments, you've got one of two choices. You either just kind of go, deal over. I, I, I'm not doing this. Or you just go, God, I'm going to fall into your arms and trust you in a way. Because none of this makes sense. I'm going to be real and honest with you, God. 
and just tell you right now, I'm upset. I'm upset with you, Lord. I'm upset with me. I'm upset with, with all these situations. I'm gonna, but you either just go, deal over, I'm walking, peace out, or you trust in the Lord. And what Danielle chose to do, and thankfully what Jesus did, was just to walk it out. And when you do that, you, you, you realize some things in those times. First of all, you realize God's perspective. You, you have to. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9 says, For this side of eternity we know in part, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face, speaking as we on the other side of eternity. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We have to realize that this side of eternity, God has a perspective that's much larger than ours. This side of eternity, I don't have all the pieces. I don't have all the pieces to the equation. I don't have, that's the reason why there's just sometimes just no easy answers to things. Sometimes the greatest theological response is, I just don't know. And so I just have to say, it's like looking through stained glass this side of eternity. I, I see shadows, I see light, I have moments of clarity, then it's gone. And I just have to trust. I also have to realize that even in a bad world, God is still good. Mark's gospel, chapter 10, verse 18 says, No one is good except for God alone. Jesus declares this of him. That I have to understand that I live in a, a fallen world. And that fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. When sin entered the world, fairness was no more. When sin entered the world, there was a separation between God the Father and us as his children. And God has, with a reckless abandon, been doing everything within his power to reconcile that, recon that, 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 that relationship between him and between us. That's the reason why he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. And that's the reason why Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave. And, 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 and that's the truth of the matter is that although this mortal body still is bound to this world, that our spirit, that, that which lives inside of us, that which comprises us and that lives forever will never die if we're in Christ. That's the good news. See, in order for there to be life, there has to be death. It's seasons. It's, this isn't rocket science. In order for us to have this beautiful green grass that we have in Wisconsin and, and to hear these birds chirping and to see these, these leaves sprouting on the trees and all these things that are happening, there has to be the death of winter in order for there to be the life of spring. It's the way it works. And when sin entered into the world, that was the deal. Death sickness and disease. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to alleviate death, sickness, and disease. And we go, but yeah, but people still die and there's still bad things that happen to good people. You're exactly right. But here's the reality is that because God is a good God, he loved us enough that he said, look, I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to be through these troubled times with you, but this world is but a vapor. This world is but just, just, just decades, or maybe you have the privilege of living for a century. That's it. But eternity is forever. And I think that once we step one side on the other side of eternity, we'll get it. We'll understand it. That's what Paul says in Corinthians, that I know in part and I understand in part this side of eternity. But when I get to heaven, when I get to eternity, it's all going to go, ah, that's what was going on. I will know, and I'll be fully known as I am known. You realize that God's for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? 
For he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also go along with him graciously give us all things? At some point, you have to just go, God, I understand that I live in a fallen world that's not fair, that's ravaged by sin and all of its ill effects, but that you love me enough that you gave your son Jesus and that Jesus died so that I could live. And even though there's effects of the fall that I still deal with, I don't deal with it alone, and that you are for me. You are so for me that you gave your one and only son. And the last thing you have to realize is that God is with me. He's with me. See, it makes a great song that says that he's a bridge over troubled water, but that holds no theological water to it. No, it says he will walk with us through the troubled waters. There will be storms in life. There will be things we don't understand this side of eternity. There will be things that all of us, myself included, that have encountered that are unfair. And yes... Death comes so that life may come out of that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says that God will never leave you and never forsake you. Even in the middle of your pain, even in the middle of your, of your disappointments, even in the middle of your frustrations, he's there. He doesn't leave you. The enemy of your soul will tell you, see, God's, not, God's dead. God doesn't care. God doesn't care about you, Danielle. He just ripped your husband from you. He just took from you. He just, just go deal with that. But the truth of the matter is, is that's not the case at all. Unfair? Yep. Easy answers? Nope. Have to wait to eternity to completely understand it? Yep. Requires faith, which means I'm trusting beyond myself? Yeah easy? Not at all. Frustrating? Yes. Moments of, 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 of fear? You bet. Moments of frustration? For sure. Moments of being mad and upset? Yep. Those are all parts of the emotional components that God gave us. But I still have a choice. Do I trust in Jesus? Do I take him at his word? Or do I just go, I'm done? That decision makes all the difference in the world. That decision makes all the difference about Easter. Because Jesus endured the death of the cross for you and for me. Unfair? Yeah. Torturous? Oh, yeah. Alone without God or feeling that way? Oh, yeah. Why? I love the phrase in John 3, 16, for God so loved you. That word so means without strings, without condition, just because. I want you to see the end of the story of Danielle and the life that God brought out of a very tragic, horrible situation. Check this out. But it was um, exactly a year later, January 28th, 2011. Um, that night, in my heart, I needed for my own grief to be at that basketball court again. Um, 
I needed to be there the day and the hour that he died. And I drove to the basketball court, realizing that this is one place I didn't think I'd ever be able to like go back and relive. Um, I see the janitor um, working. I said to him, is there any chance that I could just stand on that court again? And he walks me down and I stand there and I see it all again. And I see, mentally, I see his body and I see me laying there with him and I see the conversation I had with God just a year earlier. And I remember getting up from that place that night and it was as if God said to me, this year's gonna be a new year. This year, this year I'm doing something new. And I just had this sense of like, trust, you know, that, that God was not done, that God still had a plan for me. It was a week later that I met George. I had decided to go um, and serve a meal to the inner city. And um, <clears throat> this was the first time I had gone. I had just walked into the gym where we were gonna serve. I saw him standing there. And he was, it was the first, you know, he was the first person there. I was the first person there. There was no one else there. But it was like, I just had a sense that God said like, this is, this is the new beginning. And I walked out of the kitchen and he's there, like right there, like, hi, my name is George. And um, it was just as, as if, he knew that too, you know? It was as if uh, God had spoken to us each individually that he was gonna be doing something new. And um, we just knew right away that, um, that this was the new beginning. We now have been married five and a half years. God's blessed us like so immensely. We added four more kids to our family, um, at, making a total of six and um, we're expecting number seven um, this summer. And, um, you know, I just look at my life now and I just, I still ask questions why, you know? It still still doesn't make sense. There's no answers um, on this side of eternity. I still, you know, but I'm just so grateful that God never left me, that God didn't abandon me. Because I think if I had avoided pain, if I had avoided the questions, if I had avoided the anger, um, I wouldn't be healed. In order for God to meet those needs, I had to admit them, and I had to be real with them. And I feel like that's the reason I'm in a place where I am.
Here's what's important to understand about Easter. Easter is not something that just took place 2,000 years ago and it's over. Easter is something that happens in your life and in my life. Easter is something that happens every weekend at Life Church. It happens every day of the week in southeastern Wisconsin. It's where life comes out of death. It's what the enemy tries to use to destroy us. He tries to come in like a flood, but the Bible says that God will raise up a standard against him and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and that you will overcome, not just by the words that you speak, but by the power of the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary's cross. It's important to understand that and to get that just for a second, because I want to go back. There's a scripture in, in, in 2 Corinthians. It's going to be on the screen. It talks about what Jesus did on the cross. If those guys can bring that scripture up on the screen, 2 Corinthians. It says, for God made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew, who had no sin, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. That's what happened on the cross. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, who knew no sin, didn't just take on the sins of humanity on the cross, but he became sin. See, that's a whole different theological construct. For me to take on the weight of the world, that's one thing. That's Atlas, that's, that's so secular. But the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. So Jesus stepped in the pain, he stepped in the hurt, he stepped in the emotion, he stepped in the feeling, he stepped in all of the depravity of humanity, of every sin, of every race, of every tribe, of every kindred, of every person. And he stood there and he took that on. That's the reason why God the Father turned his face. It wasn't a rejection of his son, but it was God. In him there is no darkness, there is no sin. No longer could he peacefully coexist with what Jesus Jesus had become, but that's what Jesus had to be in order for you and I to have life. That's the death that had to take place in order for him to have the victory. That's the good news of the gospel. That means it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about my perfection. It's not about me. It's about him. See, it's all in him. That's why it's amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Well, why are you so amped up about that? Because the last part of that verse says, he became sin for us so that what you and I might become the righteousness of God. See, when we think of the righteousness of God, we don't think of ourselves. No, we think of either our sweet grandmother who's gone on to be with Jesus, or we think of Jesus himself. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. You, brothers and sisters, you who are fallen, you and I who are walking this journey out and we struggle and we have questions and we have these emotions and we have these why God moments, because of what Jesus did on the cross, when he's in us and we are in him, we become the righteousness of God. So here's the good news of that. That means every story, every life, every life change becomes the righteousness of God. So Easter doesn't just happen once, it happens here and here and here and there, and it continues to happen over and over and over in our lives. Amen? That's the story of Easter. So here's what I want to do today. Totally calling an audible on this one. I believe there's two types of people that are in this room. I believe there are people in this room and you are far away from God. You are far away from God. But what you sense in this room is the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. 
See, what's happening is, is you go, I don't understand all this, but there's something real about this. There's something different about this. This is more than just a hot band. This is more than just a great performance. This is more than just, there is something substantive. And that's what the Bible says in, in Revelation chapter three, that Jesus stands at the door of every man and every woman's heart and he knocks. What you're sensing is that knocking of Jesus. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And the Bible says, Jesus says, if you'll open the door and you'll just invite me in, I'll come in. You're here today and you're far away from God. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you, were you baptized or dedicated as an infant? I'm asking you a very simple question. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Have you allowed the one who knew no sin, who became sin for you, to come into your heart and into your life so that you can become the righteousness of God. If you haven't, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to move from where you are and to come and to stand. I know that's crazy. That's totally crazy. I didn't do that last night. I didn't even ask you to raise your hands last night. But today's a different day and God's doing something. But there's somebody in this room, Mr. Businessman, God's speaking to you. And you can allow everything about your status and everything about your world to keep you from God or you can run and find a place. And the Bible says that when you meet him, he'll be there. There's another person that's in this room and you, you love Jesus, but you just got a lot of questions. And you need that miracle who was and is and is to come. You need that story of Easter to be alive in your life. Maybe there's a hurt that's just unresolved. Maybe there's an issue where you just need to give it to God. You need that miracle of Easter, that you need to let, let death bring life and you've not allowed it to bring life. There's been something that's died. There's been something that's there and you've not allowed that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer and then Nando, if we could, I just wanna, if it's possible to even kind of go from the start of that song, just will this, when I, as I'm praying, we can just kind of go to the start of the song and you guys just sing that song, just belt it out. Curtis, I know you've been holding back. I need you to give me a little more, all right? And here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite you. The lights are going to stay right where they are. If you're one of those two people, and I believe there are dozens, maybe even a hundred plus people like that, and that's you, you need Jesus, and you want to know that heaven is your home or you're a Christ follower, but you're just struggling with questions that you don't have answers to and you want life to be brought out of death. I'm going to ask you as they begin to sing for you to move, stand up in just a minute and to come to the front and just find a place to pray. Then I'm going to come back at the end of the song and I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we're going to be dismissed. But I think life change like that's going to happen today. I think God wants to minister to those two people today. So I'm gonna pray, they're gonna sing. And let me say this too, Mr. German, who goes, I just don't know about emotion. What you're sensing is not emotion. What you're sensing is the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now you can sit where you are and you can watch it happen, or you can get and get in where God's moving. That's your choice. But don't allow the fact that the Holy Spirit's moving to keep you. It doesn't have to always be still and somber. He, God does speak in silence, but he also comes in like rolls of thunder. 
that billow and that roll. And that's what he's doing today. Two people. You need Jesus in just a minute when they begin to sing, I want you to move from where you are and come and find a place to stand. Find a place to kneel and pray. I don't care if you run to the altar. There's that level of conviction that's here. And there's people that you need to allow something to die in order for God to bring forth life, just like you saw. Father, I just thank you today. I just thank you that you are the God of miracles. That you are the God who was and is and is to come. That there is nothing that you cannot do. That you have the ability to redeem what the enemy has tried to steal and take. And you have the ability to bring life to even death. I thank you, God, that on this Easter Sunday morning, we celebrate that fact. I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, as, as, as the band sings in just a moment, that you would just draw people, Lord, that you would draw them, God, to you. God, people that are far away from you, God, let them run and find a place in this altar. God, and become and experience the righteousness of God. People that need to allow some things to die in order for death to fully, uh, for, for life to fully come out of the death of a situation. I pray, God, redeem and move by your Holy Spirit. Let this not be made of man or manipulation or emotion, but let the Spirit of God that's troubling these waters today, let it minister to us right here and right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.